See, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself already by saying we're already playoff bound after the draft that we're going to have. And you all <laughs> thought we we're going to finally play that big draft breakdown and it was going to make sense. But it still doesn't make sense because nothing makes sense on this show. I'm Jamie and I'm joined with Mark and JP from Overtime. We may have some other guests joining us later, but for now, welcome to the show. We are back. How you doing? I'm, I'm good, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I think uh, it's been a while. I can't even remember how these podcasts used to work, but we'll uh, we'll try and have some fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will, I will open up the chat. So, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't really know a lot about the draft. So, um, I'm just going to be listening to you talk. And hopefully, I'm just going to be like, just take a Florida Gator and we'll be fine, right? <laughs> but, um, well, yeah. The- the chat is open if there's any questions that you do want to put on. We are live on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube, so make sure you are watching. And yeah, JP, you're about to say something before I rudely interrupted you. No, it's fine. I mean, to be honest, I, I'm going to come into this with, with some honesty. I've done draft research this year, but I haven't done as much as I normally would do because my team don't have a first-round pick this year. Um, and it's actually, I think, the first time since I started following the team that they haven't had a first-round pick. Um, in draft time, so it's a bit of an odd one for me. We uh, we obviously give up three picks uh, last year to get Trey Lance. Um, there's of course all the chat around Debo. I think we'll probably discuss that a bit later on because it's more general league stuff. But yeah, I, I think um, as always, our man for the draft is um, is our Geordie friend uh, Mark Steele or the Geordie Preacher or whatever fucking nickname he's got this week. Um, I think there's a few storylines coming up. Um, one of the biggest ones at the moment is there's a surprise name atop most mock drafts I've seen. Um, I don't know if it still counts as a surprise. The chat has been going on for about a week, but Mark Trevon Walker potentially at number one seems to be the current chatter. Is that a surprise to you? It certainly was to me. Um, it is when we see when we look at mock drafts all the way from pre-Christmas and Trevon Walker wasn't even in the first round. Um, I've actually wrote, I was just writing there a few topics what we can talk about because as normal we haven't planned anything. So top of the draft, top of the top of the one, who'll be number one? Who'll be number one? You know, John, I don't know about you, but I've been following the NFL for a lot of years. And I don't remember number one being so hotly debated for a while like this. I mean, I think the last time I can think about genuinely who'll be number one. It was probably when Mario Williams and Reggie Bush were around, or maybe Eric Fisher. You know what I mean? When they were taking, you know, like like normally you go into a draft and there's an idea of who's going, like Trevor Lawrence or you know, like Miles Garrett. I mean, even if we go to when Baker Mayfield was drafted, it wasn't that much of a shock when he was taken. Really, you know, we knew it was going to be a quarterback at least that the Cleveland Browns were going to take. And I think this year, like, we just don't have a clue. You know, we just don't have a clue who's going to be number one. Now, if we look at the bookies, they've got Trayvon Walker as favourite now to go number one. Um, And then they've got Aiden Hutchinson, who's second favourite. And the only other player they've got who's, you know, in that bracket, I think he's seven to two, is Icky Aquano, which tells me that... It's a three-horse race. Mm. You know what I mean, though? It's a three-horse race. And the truth of the matter is, is, is it really a two-horse race? 
because if it was going to be Hutchinson, he's been the consensus number yeah. one all the way through. They would have mentioned it by now. Yeah, it would be I him, think, wouldn't it? I yeah, think it's it not be. going to be Hutchinson. I think it's going to be either Trayvon Walker or Iki Aquanu. It's the only ones that makes, like, it, 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 you know, like yeah. at this moment in time. If it was going to be Hutchinson, John, they'd have we said know. it. Yeah, we know. The first pick, they can, they can, they, they, they can see whatever they want. You know what I mean, though? But yeah. I don't think it's going to be Hutchinson. No, and there's no sense in bluffing the number one either because, like, nobody's going to take ahead of you. Okay, you might be looking for some trade or whatever, but you know, in, in general, there's no sense in bluffing who your pick's going to be. It used to be that oh, we don't know if we can get a contract worked out with the number one pick because back then there was no rookie wage scale. That's the Mario Williams and Reggie Bush draft. That was actually the first draft I ever watched um, when Mario Williams went number one. I think this this conversation speaks to something about this year's draft. It's not a bad draft, but there's no consensus top player in it last year this time we were talking about trevor lawrence who most people have been waiting two three years to see actually in the nfl and then there was the intrigue around all the other quarterbacks we haven't got that this year there's no there's no consensus top quarterback necessarily you know there's a lot of debate around that i think what we're seeing is a, a draft full of talent but maybe not necessarily one can't miss player. Um, Do you know what you've got to remember as well, John? This is two drafts combined into one because of the COVID year. So it's 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 deep. There's about a thousand people who are draftable. Mm -hmm. It's deep because it's two classes combined into one because the COVID year, people had the option to defer. So what you've got is, is you've basically got twice the amount of people who are in the draft and it's, and it's deep all the way through. Um, you know, like, and, and yeah, I think I think that this boils down to one thing. Balty. What does Balty like? You know what I mean, though? And yeah. the truth is, is when you look at the athletic testing of Hutchinson and Walker, it's actually not that much different. No. But when you look at the arm length between <laughs> Hutch and Walker, that's where the difference stands up. One's got over 34 arms. The other one's got 31 arms. And Balty has a history of drafting people with long yeah. arm length, especially yeah, yeah. at the pass position. I'm thinking yeah. Alden Smith. Yeah, that's that's why I'm going to I feel qu quite qualified to talk about Trent Balky. He was my team's GM for, God, six, seven years. Um, there's two things that I know he likes. People coming off ACL injuries and people with long arms. Um and based on what we're seeing, I think Trevon Walker, I can see why he likes Trevon Walker. I could also easily see him going with the, um, you know, going with an out there. Well, maybe he doesn't care what other people think. He doesn't care what the consensus is. He takes what he thinks is best. It worked for him very well in the first couple of years in San Francisco. It blew up on him late in his tenure in San Francisco. He's new. He's relatively new in Jacksonville. You know, to a certain extent, is he on the hot seat? They had a bad, another bad season. There was the whole Urban Meyer debacle last year. I think he's probably feeling some pressure, but he is going to be true to what he believes is yeah. a good football player. Um, and yeah, I, I, as much as I am surprised to see Walker at the top of most people's, you know, mocks now, I'm not that surprised that it's Jacksonville that are considering doing it. It makes sense. It fits with what we've seen from him um, in the past. I mean, I'm watch. I'm actually watching NFL 
network as it's on in my living room. Yeah, and they were just doing a little screenplay there of Trayvon Walker as I was watching. And the guy's long and he's very athletic and he's got the frame to pack on weight. He can play. He's about 270 pounds at the moment. They reckon he could get up to 280 quite comfortably. His athletic testing was good. You're banking on production, though, because the college yeah. he had not. He had five sacks throughout his collegiate career. Now, people will look at his usage in Georgia and what he was asked to do then. You know what I mean? They're playing as part of that front seven. And the opportunity of rush the passer just wasn't there in that system. So they're looking and going, well, look, we know his productions wasn't there, but he wasn't put in a position for it to be there. You know, like if if we think we can get this guy in a pinyet yards back pass rush position, bank on these athletic traits, and think we're gonna have like a well, I suppose if they're taking him number one, they're hoping for like a Hall of Fame, like yeah, because that's what you want with a number one pick, you know. You see yeah. him as a Hall of Fame type of player. Yeah, I mean that's it. You kind of you, you dra- here. You're not drafting for a solid player. You're drafting for a superstar that changes your franchise around. Um, and I think we've seen that borne out in previous number one picks. You think about Kyler Murray going number one. Okay, Bosa went two, but like you, you're looking at it as this guy can turn our franchise around. This guy's the superstar who's going to change the face of the team. I tell you what, we've talked about that pick enough. But there's a question here by Chris: Who goes number two? Yeah. If Walker goes number one, or if Iyakuano goes number one, it's only. I, I think it can only. Have, I think it can only be one of them two. Hutchinson number two is an easy pick. It's the easiest pick for the Detroit Lions to make. Like, yeah, they're... yeah. I, I think I think it probably would be Hutchinson, um, which will probably please uh, Bones. It's a shame he's not here because he's uh, he's been worried all year about him taking Thibodeau, I think, at two, and potentially taking a QB as or, or potentially taking a QB. Um, I I think the I think I honestly think a, a bizarre number one pick is an ideal scenario for the Lions if it is Javon Walker. It, I mean, they're probably lacking. They get Hutchinson. Yeah. They get the guy who's a home state hero. They get the kid who's got the mentality that Dan Campbell wants. He's got the locker room presence that Dan Campbell wants. You know, like he's got the production that will appease the Lions fans. You know, he had a very good season. You know, Lions fans are going to be buzzing because, you know, given given the state of some of their picks over the years, it would seem that Hutchinson's a very safe bet for them. You would think so, yeah. I think I think that's the word I would use. That's the word I would use to describe a lot of the top of this draft, to be honest. Safe. There are no... I keep, I keep coming back to this. There are no outright superstars, I don't think, at the top end. But there are a lot of picks that you wouldn't be unhappy if your team gets them. I don't think there's... I don't think there's any that you're really taking a risk with here. I mean, Jacksonville, to a certain extent, are taking a risk not necessarily with the player, but just because of where they're drafting them. As you said, they're looking for a, a game changer, and I don't know that they're getting that if they're doing that. It's yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting one. I, I think there's a lot going on this year. There's you know there's multiple storylines really coming out of it. What it does open up for the Lions is yes, Hutchinson is the obvious pick, but it also means that. Potentially, they're open for business at two. They might trade down. You know that there was chatter that they wanted to, on the basis that Hutchinson will go number one. If he doesn't, does that open up more options? Would they take that, or are they just going to be happy with what they've got? I, I wouldn't be shocked to see somebody leap up to two. Um, 
I think what's going to prevent a lot of trade-ups this year is possibly lack of an outstanding quarterback talent, at least one that you can be certain about. There are, there are some, you know, we'll talk about them in a little bit, I'm sure, but there are some that you could project as being good, you know, good to great players, but I don't think there's anybody that you go, and we absolutely have to get up for this guy. So maybe yeah. that'll, you know, punish the trade well, And it's a very deep class, like I said. is What's the difference? If, if you pick in, for example... What's the difference between the 15th best player in this year's draft and the 35th best player in this year's draft? You know what I mean? Like, what's the difference between Devontae Wyatt and Jones? Yeah. You know what I mean, though? What's the difference between Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd and Leo Chanel or Troy Anderson or Chad Moomer? You know what I mean, though? Like, that, that's that's the thing. It's, it's lacking that top-end positional talent. You know, like, I think the incentive for teams to trade up just isn't there this year. I think no. there's teams who want to trade down. Like, the Carolina Panthers, I was talking about it offline. They're picking number six. Their next pick is 132. They're picking number six because they're bad. And they've got a lot of holes. The offensive line's a mess. They don't know who's playing quarterback. Who's going to man corner opposite Joe, uh, JC Horn? You know... They're lacking playmakers. They've got a few pieces on defence. Burns, Chin, Brown, Horn. But, you know, it's sparse. It's sparse. You know, and, and offensively, they don't know who's playing quarterback. They don't know who's going to be his blindside blocker. They don't know who's going to be playing guard. They've got Tyler Morton, who's a right tackle. They don't really have anything else. And they've got two picks in the, in the top 150. One's they've got McCaffrey, six. who's missing half of the season most of the time anyway. Yeah, mm. so they've got and they've, so they've got two they've got two players they've got two picks one at six and one at one hundred and thirty two. How are you going to get a quarterback and a left tackle where you are there? They're going to want to trade back and they're going to want to gather some picks so that I mean, but but how far can you trade back and still get Kenny Pickens, which I think is the guy they want. It's an interesting one with him because I've seen him all over people's boards. I've seen him near the top. I've seen him near the middle. I've seen him out the first round on some. I, I I don't know. I must admit, I watched him play, and I think he's he's a good quarterback, but good's about it. And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough for some teams. I don't know. Do you know um, what it is, John? Matt Rule recruited him when he was at college. Ah. He was committed to play for Matt Rule before he, he moved on from Bale at the Temple. So he's got that relationship with Matt Rule. So mm. I think that's why that they want to take a Matt Rule saving his job. You know what I mean? Let's face it. If he if he doesn't perform this year, he's out. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think yeah, he, drafting a rookie QB can sometimes save your job for a couple of years because on the basis that well, we need to let him develop, we need to see what he's about. So I could certainly see that. Um I think, I think that I think Kenny Pickens is their guy, but it's clear they need more picks. If they ought to pick Kenny Pickens at six and put him behind that all that offensive line right off the air because no one's blocking shit for him. He's getting hammered. You know what I mean? He's getting hammered. You know, Joe Tryon and all those pass rushers that are in that league. You know what I mean? You know, I think of Cameron Jordan at the Saints. You know what I mean? You know, I think, he, you know, like I, I, he's toast. He's toast if he goes in that situation. So what they need to do is they need to think, right, okay, we need to drop back from six. And we need to get ourselves in range, either in the first round or in the second round, to be able to still get Kenny Pickett, but also get an offensive tackle or a good offensive lineman. 
Now, the same sort of obvious candidates to come up because they've got two picks in the teens. But do they want to give the ammo to their in-division rival? The next obvious team to come up is Kansas City, who are picking right at the back of the first round, but have six picks in the top 103 and don't have six holes. So they're going to be really aggressive and they're going to want to get up so they can have their pick of wide receivers. Because where they're picking at the moment and where the run of wide receivers is going to start, they could be left doing the Christian Watson dance. You know what I mean, though? When really, I think they want to be in the Garrett Wilson, Chris Olive dance. Hmm. Yeah, that's sure. an interesting storyline to watch, isn't it? There's a lot of... I think, actually, receiver books the trend a little bit of the rest of the rest of the draft. There's some very good ones at the top, the top end, and then it kind of falls away quite quickly. So if you're a team... Picking at the back end of the first round, you start seeing, a, like you said, like Kansas, you start seeing a run on receivers. Are you going to have to move up to? Are you going to have to move up to get one? Would you move up to get one? Who's the Who's the best receiver in the draft in your mind? I, there's a lot of conjecture about. I've seen I've seen Drake London. I've seen Garrett Wilson. People seem to move them around a lot. You know, even Tra- Traylon Burks has had a lot of hype, even though I think he's considered like the number four probably. I know who the safest option is, if that makes sense. Chris Olave's the safest option. He can run all the routes. He can play inside, outside. Garrett Wilson is also a very well-polished wide receiver. He's got more upside than, than Olave, but um, he's a little bit lighter. Drake London is heavier and more your contested catch guy. But he's not going to be a vertical threat. You know what I mean? Then you've got Traylon Burks, who has played outside, not played a lot, is really looking like a slot receiver. You know what I mean? So this, and, and then you've got Jameson Williams, who's injured. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a, big, that's a big question mark on Williams, isn't it? I now, mean, it's, it's interesting because I think what I'm getting from what you're saying there is it's scheme-related. It's who fits best in your offense, probably, to a certain extent, as to will define who you think the best receiver is. I don't. I think we can rule out somebody like Williams for a team like the Kansas City Chiefs will want to trade up because they're in win now mode, and we know that Williams isn't going to come back until Thanksgiving, they reckon. So you know, I mean, they want somebody who can get in and get in straight away because freeing up Travis Kelsey depends on it. You know what I mean? When when you haven't got Tyree Kill on the field, teams can just key into Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. They want somebody who can come in now, start straight away. Chris Olave makes more sense there. Jameson Williams makes more sense to a team who might be in a rebuild. For example, like the Jets. The Jets know they're not winning this year. They know they're not going to challenge for the playoffs. You know what I mean? So they're looking at it and going, well, we don't mind if he doesn't play until November. Because we're not ready to win anything anyway this year. We'll take them for 2023. You know what I mean? So there's an interesting scenario there of Alan Jameson Williams. Is if he'd been fit, he probably would have been the first wide receiver off the board, but he's not. But depending on if the Jets take a swing, he still might be the first wide receiver off the board, despite the fact that he's going to not play football until like November. Yeah, the Jets are an interesting team because obviously, the, the, you know, they pick a few times in the um, in the first round. They, they they've moved around a bit. They need to they need to start building a team around um, Zach Wilson. 
there's talk of them potentially trading for Debo Samuel, but I, it's not going to be for four, and it probably isn't going to be for ten. So, I mean, they have a lot of needs, though. So, is it? I, I don't know whether at that point I would be trading for a veteran player. I think I'd be saying, let's use the picks we've got and get as much young talent in as we can. Um, I think they're in a good position because I think if they're sitting at number four and we suspect that the board's going to go something like um, Trayvon Walker, number one, Aiden Hutchinson, number two, the Houston Texans are picking number three. You know, the Jets might end up with Kayvon Thibodeau at number four. And then at number 10, they're thinking, well, maybe we're going to have our pick between Stingley or Gardner. Or we're not really that bothered. We'll take whatever one's left of the two. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, I, I think what you're seeing, and I know this is true of most, I know this is true of most teams because you wouldn't be picking up here if you didn't. But I'm looking down to about, probably about Washington, Minnesota. And I'm going, these teams have a lot of needs. This isn't just a pick one player and fix everything kind of thing. You know, Ben's put in the chat, the, the, the Jets need to find some more protection for Wilson. To an extent, but they have invested quite heavily in the O-line. They've just had injuries. You know, it's not not so much that they don't have the players. It's that the players haven't been on the field. Um, I mean, then, I have the question. Sorry, Jim. So, I was just going to say, you have that protection talk about getting the protection for Wilson. When we were going into the draft last season, it was all talks for Penn Ace who going to the Bengals. Mm. He went for Jamar Chase, didn't get that protection, and he still made the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one with that, though, because you could argue they lost the Super Bowl because they lost the ability to protect Burrow late in the game. It, I know I know most teams will look at it and go, well, yeah, you've got to take the top receiver or you've got to take a playmaker, and there is some substance to that. The Jets are in a nice position where they could, in theory, take two because you know they could take a playmaker and an O-lineman because they got the pick at four. They're probably going to have Evan Neal on the board at four. Do they think Evan Neal helps them out? Maybe, and then at ten, do you go back and get playmaker? Do they do they trade down? I don't know if there is somebody that wants to come up for one of those, you know, one of those receivers, maybe a quarterback, you know, maybe one of the edges. Because I mean, Thibodeau is still on the board here, and this was a guy that was early in the season was being mocked at number one. I don't number think you can look at him now. He's been he's been, num- he's been number one for the last three years since he came yeah. out of high school. He was a number one recruit. You know what yeah. I mean? This was a kid who came out of high school as a consensus number one recruit. And he's kind of been like number Robert one. Would love him. He's been number one all the way through the process for like mm. the last two, three years, John. And then and just now, dropped back down. And now in absolute, you know, like draft fucking as it is, we put these players under a microscope, <laughs> you know, like and people are asking him. You know, people are now starting to criticise his, his, his um, intention of football because he decides, we, and this is where it comes from, you know what I mean, John? This is where this comes from, right? People asked him why he chose Oregon as the number one recruit. And he said, I wanted to be in Oregon because it's where Nike was and I wanted to study how they built their brand. And people of them went, okay, then he's not interested in football, he's interested in building the Thibodeau brand. That means he's going to now drop out of number one because how committed is he? But yeah, if you speak to his teammates, if you speak to the Oregon staff, all of them love him. The sea is more committed than anybody else. You know what I mean? So it's like, if I'm the Jets and Thibodeau's there for me, it's like, 
And I think because Robert Salah wants his pass rusher as well. You know, we think about what he had in San Francisco. He had Bosa, he had Buckner, you know what I mean? Or he had Armstead. Mm-hmm. He had talent on that offensive, on that defensive line, which he just hasn't got. I mean, he's got Quinn and Williams. But if you all of a sudden, if you put Quinn and Williams alongside Thibodeau, you start to think, yeah, they're building something a bit Robert Salah like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's definitely. where I think if Thibodeau's there at four, they'll 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 take him. I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of reason for that. And interestingly, two of the guys you mentioned, Armstead and Buckner, both Oregon guys as well, that played for him in, uh, in San Francisco. I think Thibodeau is suffering from the set. Okay, it didn't happen to Bosa quite as badly, but there was a lot of the talk around Bosa about, oh, might he be injury prone? Might there be a problem with his attitude? Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you just got to look at what's in front of you. <laughs> the guy, there's a reason the guy was the number one recruit and at top of the most people's draft boards until about two, three probably two, three months ago. The guy can play, and if he's at four, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, There's an interesting one that I saw earlier that I wanted to bring up to you, because I think you probably would have agreed with with my response to it, but I just want to get your your thoughts. But Flash from the group chat, fellow Geordie, I believe, um, said that asked the question, if you were to pick between two equal prospects at a spot between safety and corner, which are you going with? Now, to me, this is a no-brainer answer. It's corner. But yeah, I'm picking corner. I, I, I just wanted to ask you, and the, re- the reason I think it's come up is Kyle Hamilton, because he's very high up most boards that I've seen, and he's a, a position that's not traditionally that highly valued in safety. Where, where's he going to end up, Kyle Hamilton? Because I've seen him mocked everywhere from two to, like, 22, so... The usage really of John, it's usage of him. If you've got a coach enough to see that this guy isn't just a line uh, safety and think, right, okay, this is a guy I can use as a chess piece. I can put him over nickel. I can put him in the box. I can lie. I can put him deep third. If there's a tight end that needs taken out one particular game, I can have him come to the tight end. If there's a game where we're, where we're able to rush a line, uh, rush a safety, I'll use him as a rush safety. If we need a nickel, I'll put them. You know, if somebody can, if somebody's forward thinking enough to go, what can he be this week and have him play with several different hats? Then he's a totally a high prospect. If somebody just wants to use him as a traditional safety, then of course positional value is a problem. Yeah. You know, we've seen these type of players drop, though, John. We saw Derwin James drop, you know, into the teens. You know what I mean, though? And Kyle Hammond might be one of those where at the end of the night he's picked outside of the top 10 and we think and we look back in two or three years time and think well why has that happened you yeah know? yeah yeah I think people to a certain extent they place too much value on positions I think it's always that ongoing battle I think Gaz has mentioned it in the chat take the best player on the board and make it work I, I sort of agree with that, but it's like you said, you need the creativity to be able to do that. I actually think he'd make a great jet. I think Salah would find something to do with him. Um, he's not going to take him at four, but I, I, if he's there at ten, they might think about it. I think, I think he's, um, I think he's a top class player. It's just he's playing at a position that isn't traditionally valued. But there's an argument that that doesn't really matter in today's NFL. If you're a good enough DB, you're going to be on the field most of the time anyway. You know, somebody like Hamilton in theory, you know, you could probably move him down to the slot and he'd probably do okay. You know, these are things that, I guess these are things that, they always say you shouldn't take projections in the first round and I get that, but then sometimes you got to look at a real talent and go, 
yeah, you know what? We can take the risk on him. We can find a role for him. I've seen him mocked at 11 on the latest mock I've just looked at going to Washington, um, which would be interesting. I think that's a position they're sorely lacking in. Some some playmakers on on that on the back end of the defense certainly they seem to have the front seven from last year, but they didn't have much behind it. Do you know? Do you know what's weird about this year's draft? You can have this argument about every single position apart from safety. Safety is the only position this year where you have got a clear front runner, and that yeah. is Hamilton. Every other position down this draft, you're looking down and you're going, "Who's the best D tackle? Is it Wyatt? Is it Davis? Edge? Who's the first edge to go? Is it Hamil? Is it um, Hutchinson? Is it Walker? Is it Thibodeau? You know what I mean? No, there's question mark. Who's the best linebacker? Is it the Kobe Dean? Is it Devin Lloyd? Who's the best cornerback? Is it Sauce Gardner or is it Stingley? And then you go for a wide receiver. We've already discussed that. Who's the best wide receiver? Who's the best running back? Is it, you know, and, and you go through every position and there's not a consensus, but yet you come to safety in the gulf between Hamilton and the next guy is about 30 picks. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hamilton is, I, I would think, he's comfortably going to be the only safety in round one. I'd be surprised if there's another, well, there's unless they sneak on at the back end. There's a few There's a few who I think could sneak in there. There's a few. Dax Hill, I think, might be number two at this moment in time because um, he's got that corner safety versatility. Um, do you know, like, like, like it's, it's funny because I've wrote a few things down here. Um, one of them was Icky Aquano versus Evan Neal. Who's a who, who, you know, like who's going to go first between them two? The next one is um, Charles Cross and Pennon, and I've put beware, you know what I mean? I've put beware, you know, Charles Cross has had a lot of pass blocking sets, you know, coming out of Mississippi State in yeah, Leach's yeah. offense, you know, where he's asked to pass protect fucking loads of the times. But we saw Andre Dillard come out with the same, you know, like um, out the same pass. And yet he went to the Eagles and has looked dreadful. You know what I mean, though? Yeah. So that's enough for me to go Charles Cross. That's a fucking question mark. Then on the yeah, other side, you've got Trevor Pennon, who looks a brute, but he's playing FCS. Like, you know, like quality. And then when you look at his pass plotting reps, actually pretty dicey. You know what I mean, though? So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little bit like, I'm a little bit like, I feel good about Icky Aquano and I feel good yeah. about Evan Neal. I feel less good about Cross and Penning. You know what I mean, though? I feel better about someone like Tyler Smith, you know, like at the back end of the round. You know what I mean, though? The kid from uh, Tulsa who's young, who's just a brute in the run game. I've never really seen him in the past game, so I guess he's like, uh, I, guess he, I guess he's got, you know, like he's got, but he's 21. He's 21. Mm. He's a blank canvas. He can teach him. You know what I mean, though? Yeah. Trevor Penning's the role last year, isn't it? We all know we all know how hard it is to teach seniors. I'm a Raiders fan. Leatherwood <laughs> was a senior. I know how freaking hard it was to teach him. You know, it's when you play that much football and you've got bad habits, it's yeah. bad to coach them out. Trevor Penning, you know, he isn't great in pass blocking sets. He's just not. If you go watch his tape in pass blocking sets, he struggles in them. In third and long situations, he gets grabby. You know what I mean, though? So Trevor Pennon for me is one of those who I think could be a bit of a bust. Yeah, time was you could probably hide someone like that, maybe at right tackle or something. 
the NFL doesn't work like that anymore. I, I don't think you can do that now. You need you need pass protectors on both sides now, just because of the way defenses have kind of evolved. But rushes, you know, kind of you get some teams that bring out you know like the NASCAR package. They bring on four rushes. You need you need proper pass protectors almost at every position on the O line now. Even interior line, we've seen how interior pressure can you know can destroy a team's offense. I, I'm acutely aware of that as a as a Niners fan. We have. Um, Aaron Donald coming at us, you know, twice a year, or in this case, in this year's case, three times a year. You know, it's part of the game now. You, I think you kind of have to accept that as as what it is. Just talk to me quickly about Evan Neal. This was a guy that I was seeing mocked number one at one stage. How how I'm seeing him at six on the PFF board. I'm seeing him top ten on other boards. What what's people's? What are people not sure about with with Evan Neal? What is it? Lack of absolute left tackle. That's what it is. He played everywhere across the line at Alabama because Alabama, you know, like as the way the way they work, they've always got a senior who will step in there. You know what I mean? Like Leatherwood kept him out of left tackle, even though Evan Neal's a better prospect. They don't necessarily play the better prospects at the better positions because part of their recruitment drive is to commit to giving players time. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, and he just hasn't played that much left tackle, John. Right. So it's more of an experience thing than and anything blaring about his game. Also, as well, I think he suffers from the Kayvon Thibodeau thing of he's been that good for that long that people forget. Whereas Iquano yeah. improved dramatically in his last year, especially in pass blocking. And that's what people remember. You know what I mean? They remember this guy who's made a jump as a low, as opposed to this one who's been steady for ages, you know? Do you think there's an element of doing that too much in a draft? We see people rise all the time we late in the things. process. We overthink things. I think I think GMs overthink things, and I think I think us as look, I th- I th- when all said and done, you know, like I think I think Evan Neal will be a top ten pick. You know what I mean, though. But I do think for me, I mean, Nicky Aquano watching his tape. The, the, Look, this kid's physical, like you know what I mean. If you want to watch some bully boy tape, go find some Icky Aquano tape. He's just battering people, like you know, especially in the run game, you know, like. But yeah, Evan Neal's one of the. I tell you what, that brings us on to a nice little topic that I was going to talk about: high floor players, players who would think aren't missed players. And Evan Neal for me is one of those. He's a he's a can't miss player. He'll either come in and be a good left tackle, or he'll be a very good right tackle. Or he'll be a fucking Pro Bowl god. He's got because he's played those positions already. And for me, that's that's a high floor player. Another yeah. one is Zion Johnson, the kid out of Boston College. You know, like he's a god. He played a little bit of left tackle. He reminds me of Kalichi or Semele. You know what I mean? Though? He's got that tackle guard versatility. But at the very worst, you're getting a fucking really good left guard who's going to be in this in 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 the NFL for ten years. He's another yeah. high floor player. Um, there's a few of those. There's a few of those that I like in there. George Karloftis, I think, is another high floor player. At the very worst, you know, like you're going to be getting like a six to eight sack a season guy, but he's got the potential to be to get double figures. You know what I mean? Mm. Those are those classic sort of mid to late first round that aren't as high to say your top five, your top ten. But if you get I think you've said it before. If you get two contracts out of them, you've done well. And I think those are those sort of guys. You know, looking at Johnson, for instance, 
Johnson to me is like one of those players that will go somewhere, probably start for 10 years. And yeah, he might never ascend to like superstar level, but he's a guard. He's not going to ascend to superstar level anyway. You just want a solid player there. And if you're picking late in the, you know, late in the first and you've got a pretty solid team and you're looking at it and going, okay, what can we do here? What can we solidify? I think you, I think you take that every day. You know, I, I think this is the thing we, I think what you're seeing now is in the top five to 10, teams are taking swings at players because they need a superstar, whereas lower down in the draft, sometimes you get the better picks, you know, because they're just going, these guys are solid football players. We don't need to wow anyone with this pick. We just need to make sure that we get, um, you know, that we get the right person in. And it works, you know, and I think there's a tendency sometimes to, like, be too obsessed with getting a high pick instead of just getting the right people in. Um Let's just quickly pivot. I want to ask you about this because I think you spoke up pretty highly for him in um, in one of the chats. It was a while ago, so I don't know if your opinion shifted. Um, talk to me about Malik Willis. I believe you were a pretty big fan of his, or you were projecting him quite highly from where I where I was sitting. The reason in- why is 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 in a quarterback class of questions. Pick the guy who can do the most. You know what I mean? No. For example, I think if you pick a, a, a quarterback who can rush, the floor's high anyway. Look at Jalen Hurts and what he was able to do with the Eagles. Not the most polished quarterback, but he's good with his feet and you can win games on that and you can get into the playoffs. And that's what it is with Malik Willis. You know what I mean? No. There's enough question marks at every single quarterback in this draft. But if I'm picking one, I'm picking either Malik Willis or if I'm later, I'm picking Desmond Ritter because they can both run the ball. And even if they take a while to settle that arm down and find that accuracy, I'll still will I'll still win games with them running 80 to 120 yards a game. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. why I'm pretty high on Malik Willis. It's not necessarily that I think he's Skill set is brilliant. I just think that there's enough question marks about everybody at quarterback this year. I want to pick the one who can win his games, and I think he can win games with Malik Willis. It's a fair answer. Yeah, you were you were very like you you were pretty high on him. Um, I think your view is shared by a lot of people. To be honest, I'm seeing him. I'm seeing him come up boards late. Overall, do you think this quarterback class is one of the weakest in a while? It looks it on paper. Do you know what's, it? it... It, is it because it's because there's not a, a there's, there's not a five star recruit there, John? No. You know, like there's not a, there's not a collegiate consensus. You know, like big recruit there, like like Tua, or mm. um, or like um, Trevor Lawrence, or like next year where you got Stroud and Bryce Young. These guys were like five star recruits. These guys were big players coming out of high school into college. You know, Kenny Pickett's what a two-star, three-star recruit. Malik Willis was, I think, a four-star when he went to Auburn, filled at Auburn, ended up at Liberty. You know what I mean? Then you've got like Matt Corral, four-star recruit. Then you go to Desmond Ridder, three-star recruit. You know what I mean? And you're looking around, and, you, and there's, there's that's what it is. You know what I mean? They're like they're, they're not necessarily bad quarterbacks. They're just not the superstars that that, are, that have come out of recent years. They're not the name. They're not the household names that have come out in recent years. Do I think they'll be a very good quarterback to come out of this class? Yes. 
do I think that one of these quarterbacks will make a pro bowl at some point in his career? Well, yes, because Mitch Trubisky did. You know what I mean? <laughs> do I know which one it will be? No. If I'm banking on which one it'll be, I'm saying it's going to be Malik Willis because he can run. It's a good shout. I think um, there's some interesting fits for Willis if he goes in the first round. The, the one that just popped into my head was Seattle looking for a QB. It, it's that skill set they've like, obviously liked in the past. I, I don't know whether they'd take him at nine, having said that, but it, it, it's something that it just popped into I think my head. Happened, John. Because I think if he falls to Pittsburgh, I think they'll take him. That's an yeah. interesting fit. I hadn't really thought of that one. I think if he falls to number 20, Pittsburgh are going to take him. So they're meant to be enamoured with him. You know, like when it was his pro day, Mike Tomlin spent ages with him, apparently. When he was at the Combine, he spent a lot of time with the Pittsburgh scouts. And Pittsburgh don't really play a lot of smoke and mirrors. They kind of just go for... Who falls them and who presents good value? I think if he's there at 20, Pittsburgh will take him. So I think if Seattle want to take him, they're going to have to take him at nine. Interesting. Well, maybe I've just thrown a prediction out there then. Get your bets on, guys. <laughs> um, ben Jones asked in the chat. Sorry, Jamie, I think you were going to do that, but I just noticed you put it on screen. Um, do you believe in the theory of you don't start a rebuild with a quarterback? Um, no. <laughs> I'm of the theory like of you start a rebuild with a quarterback if there's one there who's yeah I don't I don't know if I would say um, that particular sentence but I think I would say until you've got a quarterback you haven't got anything yeah you know, mean, look, look at the Jacksonville Jags they took the Jacksonville Jags were in rebuild yesterday uh, like, like last year last fucking three years but they still took Trevor Lawrence. And like, of course, you still take it. If the talent's there, you take it. I don't think. I think if they've done a the draft again, I think if they've done it a hundred times, they'd still pick Trevor Lawrence. I would still pick Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, if give it a million times, I'll pick Trevor Lawrence in any scenario. Like, you know what I mean? Because them players come up rare. Them players come up rare. I think if it was this year, would I start a rebuild with a quarterback? Not definitely not. Definitely not. It's just not the talent. Yeah, I think that's a fair answer. It depends what's in front of you, doesn't it? But I think you're always looking for you're always looking for a quarterback, even if you're not necessarily getting one in the draft. You're always looking for one somehow. You know, you look at teams that have acquired quarterbacks in the last few last few years. Thinking of Denver acquired Wilson in the off season because it was the piece that was missing. They built a decent team without a QB. So I think there's 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 an argument to it, but I think you're all I think you're always looking. It's just if things fall the way you want them to fall. There's a reason um, why quarterbacks are the highest paid position in the NFL yeah. because they're the most important one. You know, and if yeah. you get one, you're like you're in the haves and have nots. And I think this question might come about a bit more because we saw Matthew Stafford just win the Super Bowl, and he's not necessarily a top ten quarterback. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but ultimately, I mean, if, if you're going to get one, you're going to want to get somebody of that. You know, you know, that's what people, if there's one on offer, you're going to take one, you know? Yeah, it's a shame Bones wasn't here to, here for that, to respond to that one live. I've just realized. He's probably typing now. I've just realized it's obviously him asking the questions in the chat. Um, I've been calling him Bones for so long, I forgot what his bloody name was. Sorry, Bones. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's definitely some, uh, you know, I, I know we, I really don't want to get into the staff and there's a QB debate again, but there is definitely some value to that. If you've got one that's good enough to make the throws at crunch time, you, you don't need to be spending money on a superstar necessarily, you know? Take, take, look, I think I, I think I'll subscribe to pretty much continually, you know, like how the board falls, take it. You know, like there's a reason why the why the Baltimore Ravens over the last 15 years, I would say, have always been there or thereabouts. It's because they take the they take as the board falls. You know what I mean? That's not where the argument comes in. If they're the most expensive, surely you want them on their rookie deal when you already have a good team to support them. I mean, it's hard to get a good team without a QB, though. Like. We always hear talk about these bridge quarterbacks that oh yeah you know they'll, they'll keep you running until you get a get a proper QB essentially is what it is that's kind of what the Lions are doing now with Jared Goff for instance but you're going to hit a certain ceiling and there's a point where you have to go right we need to get our QB now I'd argue that's what the Rams have done you know like they, they keep they kept butting their heads against you know playoff defeats and then you know, occasionally missing the playoffs. And it was like, right, we need someone better now. We can't go on with Jared Goff. You know, we need we need to get somebody in. And I think that's probably... There's definitely the argument for having having a guy on a rookie deal when you've got a good team around them. That's what I think we're doing with Trey Lance. We're, we're going to try and keep our best players. And then we're going to get maybe two, three years out of Lance on a rookie deal and see how far he can take us. But... I don't think that's necessarily the right way to do it. It's just the way that your team works out. It's different for every team. This is the other thing. Around draft time, we always hear talk about the best way to draft and what you should do and what you should do with certain positions. But the fact is, it's what works for you. And it's hard to judge these things until you're two, three years down the line as well. So beware of instant reactions on draft night. Would be Look, what, the, the, draft, the draft is fucking a crapshoot. Let's face it, it's it's now a media fucking circus of a crapshoot, but it's still a crapshoot. You know, you've got all these experts, of which me and you are playing today, John, thinking that we know something better off whatever five minutes of tape we've watched on YouTube or fucking ESPN. You know what I mean, though? And, and the truth of the matter is, is much of it's the situation you're landing. Much of it's the, the coaching setup you're landing. Some of it breaks down to just sheer fucking luck. You know what I mean, though? And it's a largely it's a crapshoot. It's a fucking crapshoot. You know what I mean, though? Like, we've all seen can't miss prospects like Rod Gallery. You know what I mean, though? Turn out to be rubbish. You know, like when that year when Robert Gallery went number two for the Realers, he was a can't miss prospect. Everybody said he's going to be. You know, like he's going to be a, a Hall of Fame outside tackle. The lad had to move into guard and bounced around the league alone. You know mm. what I mean? Though? And look, it, it, it's it's a, a lot of it's a crapshoot. You know, what I mean? a lot of it's a crapshoot. You know, it, a lot of it's fucking luck and situation and who goes in and who's there. Like it's 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 a crapshoot, especially outside the top three picks. I think the problem that you have as well, some of the time, is that the, the, the consensus top players are going to the worst organisations because if they weren't bad organisations, they wouldn't be near the top, would they? Would so, Aaron you know, Rodgers have been Aaron Rodgers had he fell anywhere else at Green Bay and didn't get to sit behind Brett Favre, didn't get to go into a winning franchise? If he, had a, if he hadn't fell down the board to where he fell to, 
and got picked up by an already good franchise in an already winning position. See if he had a win top 10. You know what I mean? To a team that was struggling, would Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers? Well, we don't know because it's hypothetical. You know yeah, what I mean? it's hypothetical, but no, I don't think he would have been. And it, you've hit on a good point there. I remember talking about it in the run up to the Niners Packers playoff game. There's an alternate universe where Rodgers goes number one and Smith goes to the Packers, and they might have had opposite careers. We don't know that that would have necessarily happened, but this idea that the 49ers made a mistake not drafting Rodgers is bullshit. Like, there was. There was a split, and I remember this because it was one of the first drafts I paid attention to because my team had the top pick. There was a split between who was better, Smith or Rogers. You, you know, if you make the wrong choice, it's remembered for years. Don't get me wrong, but it, it hits exactly what you've just said. It hits on exactly what you just said. The organization you go to, the scheme you land in, every everything everything matters, and he landed. Smith landed with Mike Nolan, who was a fucking idiot, and an offensive scheme that was terrible. Rodgers gets to sit behind Brett Favre for three years and then gets to play. There's a big difference there in terms of how you develop. Now, you can make the argument over, and I think probably less then than now. Now we talk about putting rookie QBs in early, letting them get game experience. In 2005, that wasn't really a thing. You would give, you know, generally speaking, you would give them time to learn the game get acclimatised or whatever. Rodgers went into a very good situation. It worked exactly the way it needed to um, for him. And I think, you, you know, what you've said there is spot on. There are so many good players here, but if they land at the wrong team or they land at a team in flux, I worry about anyone going to, say, for example, Carolina, because everybody knows everybody's job's on the line in Carolina. You might not be flavour of the month next year. You think about somebody like... Okay, I know he's not made the best of his career, but you think about somebody like Josh Rosen, who goes number nine overall one year, and then he's being traded the next year because the whole organization's changed in the meantime. These are just things that you can't really legislate for. You know, that's the difficulty. I think, think, you know, like when we go back to it, there's players in this draft that if your franchise calls their name, you're going to be very pleased with. You've already said... Um, Johnson, Zion Johnson. We've already said Kyle Hamilton. If someone, Chris Olive, if your if your franchise picks and you hear the name Chris Olive, you can think fantastic. You know what I mean? The kick and run routes, he can play outside, inside. He's a deep threat. Yeah, great. He might not ever be wide receiver number one for his team. Um, like Garrett Wilson might be wide receiver number one for his team if he hits the ceiling. But you know in Chris Olive, at the very, very worst, you've got a great number two wide receiver. Zion Johnson, if you draft him, you know you've got a 10-year guard. Kyle Hamilton, you know you've got a safety who's going to see his second contract. I'd say that there's other players who are like that. I think um, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, even though he's a 24-year-old rookie, just on his blitz potential alone, if you hear his name picked for your team, You've got to clap your hands and you've got to go, and I'm happy with that. You know what I mean? Sauce Gardner, he's another one. You know he's going to be a good corner. Yeah, he might never have the ball production that like Jalen Ramsey or Daryl Revis had where he'll take the ball away a lot. But you know he's going to be a good corner who's going to stand up in the NFL because he's been so tested in man at Cincinnati. You know what I mean? There's players further down the draft who I like, John. There's a kid out of Wake Forest called Zach Tom who I love. He played left tackle for Wake Wake Forest. He had a pass blocking grade of 92. You know, now when you look at his athletic testing, 
He was in the 90th percentile for everything. He was in the 90th percentile for everything. That's good. That's like, you know, like that's in the top. You know what I mean? Um, the reason why he might fall is um, he's not being talked about as a first rounder is because he's got short arms and he's 304 pounds at six foot four. Probably won't hold up a left tackle in the NFL. Might be a right tackle, but at the very least, you're going to get a good guard. If you're in round three and you hear your team has selected Zach Tom, be fucking happy about it. You'll be a 10-year NFL player. You know what I mean, though? Like, there's players there who I think are no-miss players. You know what I mean? Yeah, just solid players. I think that's it. You've talked about it before, and I think we talked about it on last year's um, podcast about the kind of things you should be looking for at certain points in the draft. I think if you're... Second and third round, and you'll get the solid pro. You've done a good job, you know. Yeah. Like, well, well, I'm thinking the radars, if they if the steer where they are, they're going to be picking number 86. If we pick up Zach Tom, I'm clapping my hands, I'm pleased. If we pick up Cole Strange, I'm clapping my hands, I'm pleased. They're strong players will play on the inside of the offensive line. And when you pick it in the third round, you know what I mean? No, just get somebody who contributes. You know, if, if we if we hit on a player who's if we draft out of our five picks. One automatic contributor and one who's a world player. I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. You know, like, go get Zach Tom. Go get Cole Strange. You know what I mean? Go, You know, if Leo Chanel's there, go get him. He's, his blitz potential alone is going gonna, is gonna give to him, give him a job to do on the field. You know what I mean? People say he's not good in coverage. I'm like, I don't care in the third round. Just give him a role. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's nice if you hit on a on a superstar accidentally in the mid to late rounds. But to be honest, you're just looking for people to fill the roster out. Do you know and... what it is really? When we think about it, John, what makes a good draft class? When we look at the best draft classes and we think, okay, then let's have a look at the Saints. You know what I mean? They've got three starters. Mm. You know, or, look, or let's look at the radars when they got Mac and Carr. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, 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 or the, or, you know, like people talk about them being great draft classes and stuff like that. Look, a good draft class really is if you find an automatic contributor, if you find two bit part players, you know what I mean, and you find a surprise. That's that's right. what a good draft class really yeah. is. You know what I mean? If you can have two players hit a second contract and get signed at a second contract, you've got yourself a good draft class. Yeah, what you can't have is is a draft class of misses, and that's happened to a lot of teams where nobody's stuck or nobody's found a role. Because that impacts you for a long, long time. You know, you, you then need to find players to fill that. That fills your cap up. Then James, you James has just put, it's just been reported on Twitter that the Chiefs have been talking to teams from the seventh pick and down. I told you that. I said yeah. the Chiefs will be aggressive. You know, they've got six picks in the top 100. They haven't got six holes. They'll want to get as high as possible to get the first wide receiver. Because they don't <laughs> want to do the Christian Watson dance. No, if they are talking seven and down, the first team they're talking to is New York, and New York, as in the New York Giants, they have so many holes to fill. I would be taking every pick that was offered to me. If I'm, if if I'm the New York Giants, I could think, mate, I could, I could trade my first pick, and I've still got one later on in the top ten. Yeah, exactly. They're in a really good position. If it wasn't for the fact that it's the Giants and they'll somehow make a twat of it anyway, <laughs> I'd say they're in a. I'd say they're in a really good position. But having said that, you know, 
you know, new people in charge, maybe they'll turn it around. I, I do um, think if there's a team that'll come up, who'll come up along with you, I do believe it'll be Kansas. I've said that before, and I do I think that'll be it. If there's oh Panther, like the Panthers will want to trade back, but trading that four backs too far for them. They'll be out of the reach of the good offensive tackles and they'll be out of the reach of Kenny Pickett, I think, who they'll want to get. I think they'll want to trade back, though, because they've got fucking nothing. They've got no draft capital. They pick number six and 132. That's their next pick. It's it's there in right mess. Um, yeah, I think I think that I think that the, the Kansas City Chiefs are, are gonna want to get up and they're gonna want to get up to pick the first wide receiver. They want the very they want their pick of who they want, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, they definitely do. And you can see why, because every team around them, before they would pick at the normal spot, is a competitor and is also probably looking for something similar. You know, you know you look yeah, at one for you. I was th- I'm convinced that George Pickens is gonna go around one now, by the way. <laughs> I'm convinced, this is how convinced I am, and I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna see that George Pickens goes before trail on Burks. That would be interesting. Like, I'm convinced that George Pickens is going round one. You're talking about a kid who, before his injury, people were talking about going in the top 10. You know what I mean, though? Like, and he, and he, and he stayed at Georgia where he was never going to get the catch, where he's never going to get the catches because they're a run first offense. But this, the, the, the kid was well thought of before that Achilles injury. You know what I mean, though? And he's back now and he's fit. You know, and I, I'm convinced that George Pickens is going to go around one. I'm convinced that he's going to go before trail on Burks. Jamie, write it down. Mark said... Well, we're going to clip this. We're going to clip it. Don't you worry. So. Mark said George Pickens will go off the board before jail on, uh, before trail on Burks. I'm on night you, one? I'm telling you, I'm convinced George Pickens will be a first-round wide receiver. Yeah, that'll be a night one. And I'm but... convinced he'll go off the board before trail on Burks. But don't worry, <laughs> we'll clip this and it'll be on Twitter on Friday after night one when it happens. I'm convinced. And I think that I'll see him. I think if I was going to have a stab at a team who'll take George Pickens, I think he'll end up in uh, Arizona. That's an interesting one because they do they do definitely need somebody. That's um, yeah. That that seems like a good fit to me. I think I think um, I think I'm going to go. Well, if we're making predictions, I'm I'm sticking with Willis to Seattle. I think that's one of the best things to come off the top of my brain during this. this oh well, if, yeah. I mean, if, if 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 like if I'm going for shock value, you know, and I think I think George Pick like another shock one is I think Stingley will be taken before Ahmed Gardner. I've seen that on some mocks, to be still fair. I, I agree Stingley. with it. I think when the dust settles, Stingley will still be the first corner off the board. Word two, do you think? Well, I'm thinking that Thibodeau has a very real chance of still being on the board when the Jets pick at four. So I think that the Jets will pass on Gordon. And he's the most likely one. The Jets... Were the most likely candidate to take Gordon because of the scheme fit with what Salah yeah, played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking if if he falls past the Jets at four, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, yeah, Stingley will go before him. <laughs> I agree because there aren't actually many teams in the league that are looking for man-to-man corners. There are some, but I think on balance, yeah, you're probably right. There's there's more there's more teams likely to take a Stingley than a. What, why is Stingley not 
consensus top corner. He's is been shout the last two years. But the right. truth of the matter is, he's, been, he's had his eye on the draft. I wouldn't want to play for LSU the last two years when they're having like a, you know, like a, a no 500 season. Would you want to put your body on the line when you're potentially going to make about 40 odd million? You know what I mean? And you've got a history of injuries. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You've seen that with a few players as well, aren't you? Where I think they get devalued because they go, oh, they didn't have a good last two seasons. It's like, well, okay, but like you say, some players have got their eye on the draft. Lawrence didn't have a brilliant season coming out last year, but there was no doubt where he was going to go. You know, like, going to go number one, one he cares about. Exactly. You know, once, you, once you know where you're, you, once you know you're a top 10 pick, I don't, you know, there's a lot of players that won't put their body on the line anymore. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Do you want another shock that I've got? Go on. He's then. a shock ma- He's turning into the shock master here. Eh? I'm going to turn into the shock master. I think that there will not be more than one linebacker taken in round one. That seems like a, if you're talking pure linebackers, I think that might be a good shout. When you think about it, there's like, and, 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 this, is, and this is another shock that I've got. I think that if there is a linebacker, who is taken in round one. I don't think it's going to be Devin Lloyd. I don't think it's going to be Nakobe Dean. I think it's going to be Queer Walker. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting one. I haven't seen many people, I haven't seen many people with that one. So I think it's I think I think Queer Walker is going to be taken ahead of Nakobe Dean. It's an interesting shout, that one, I must admit. There's some who's gonna blow the draft up this year. There's always somebody that does something that no one was expecting that changes the whole thing. It's usually the Raiders, but you've actually got sensible people in charge now, so maybe you won't do it this year. Who's gonna blow the draft up? I think that Atlanta are the question mark. <laughs> I think that that's where the first crazy pick could happen. Number eight with Atlanta. They have a lot of issues. Like they have a lot of needs on that team. So... That's why I think we could start Crazyville. If I'm thinking the first pick that makes us go, oh, what the fuck? I think Atlanta <laughs> at number eight have got the power to be that one. And I think it might be Malik Willis. Interesting. Now that would be that would be a story. I, I think I could see them doing that, definitely. Um... Marcus Mariota, they've moved on from Matt Ryan. I think you can win games with Mariota. I just think that Malik Willis will be a good. I think Malik Willis might be in their sights there. What was the what was the major what was the first major oh my god pick last year? Was it Leatherwood? Because I'm just looking again now, and I think most of these people we had quite high up. There's nobody that was a a massive shot. Maybe Fields going as far as Chicago, but I. I don't think we had a what the what the fuck reaction to anything until Leatherwood, and then we had. Yeah, I think seven. Leatherwood was the first what the fuck reaction. Like, <laughs> I think that probably answers Gaz's question as well, because uh, he's very early on in the chat. He put who was the um, who was the biggest bust from last year, and who was the biggest plus. Uh, surely the big, plus but I mean, it's hard to judge players on one year. I you know agree. what I mean? First of all, Leatherwood. Played a lot of snaps. I've been saying this. I don't think he's a bust. He's played a lot of snaps. I don't think he's ever going to be pro ball material, but he played a lot of snaps, and he's only going to get better for that. If I'm looking at who was a bust at this moment in time, I'm thinking, Kaito didn't play much at all. Um, You know, like, 
Caleb Ford, um, Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it didn't really work out, did it? I think he's got the talent to turn it around, obviously, but there were questions going in. They took a, took a bit of a risk, but it hasn't worked as yet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Kadarius Tony is arguably up there, not necessarily because, you know, he's done anything wrong as such, but they're already talking about potentially trading him. Maybe that's what we should talk about next, actually. There's, there's a lot of, um, as there tends to be a draft week, there's a lot of trade rumours knocking about, and my camera is I think also... lots of teams want to trade down, but I just don't... I think everybody wants to trade down this year because it's such a deep class. Mm. I, don't, I just don't think there's many teams that want to trade up. I think, bar Kansas, maybe Green Bay. You know, I think you could see Kansas and Green Bay vying to get up to get a choice of wide receiver. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Green Bay's got two first, two seconds, and you'll argue, do they need it? You know, and Kansas, like, so we've got six picks in the top 103. They definitely don't need that. You know, so Kansas and Kansas and Green Bay could be candidates to move up. There's also some chatter around potential trades of veteran players going into their draft as well. I think the two... Highest up, well, possibly three, but I, I haven't seen any trade rumours around them. And maybe this is because it's centred on my team. But three players I've seen linked with potential trades, Debo Samuel, Kadarius Tony, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I don't think there's going to be any trade for Garoppolo draft weekend because he's not he's not healthy. I, I can't see that happening. Let's talk, well, let's talk Tony first. Debo's a bigger subject, probably. Let, let's talk Kadarius Tony. Are they trading him? Is that just a random rumour? Do we think that's happening? Or what's happening there? And if it is, where are the best fits for him? So, Kadarius Tony, well, what are you yeah. going to get back in return? Third? Probably at best, I would say. Having been a first-round pick <laughs> last honest, year. John, if, if it was me, and if, and if I was you guys, I would just spend the third on Kadarius Tony. Because like, when you look at what Tony and Debo do, are they that dissimilar? Uh, do, do like, I mean, obviously, production-wise, they're very dissimilar, but skill set-wise, are they that dissimilar? Um, probably not, no. I, I think if you look how Florida used Kadarius Tony, um, this is how we used, we used Debo Samuel, there are some similarities. I think there are questions over Tony in terms of his attitude. Obviously, there's a reason the Giants want rid after a year. There's something not quite right there. Um, I, but, James is putting Debo at the Jets, but it's too rich. It's too rich. I'm you're not. Gonna gonna a, Jets, you're not going to put a fourth on Debo, and you're not going to spend a tenth. When are they picking next ten? They got four and ten. And he's not worth a tenth. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fairly common knowledge to anybody that's ever watched this podcast that Debo Samuel is one of my favourite players on the 49ers. So. I'll, I'll repeat what I said to you, Mark, when the, when the news came out last week that he's, well, I don't know if he's demanded or requested a trade. I'm not sure what state it's currently in. Football's football. If he doesn't want to play for the 49ers, I, I, fair enough. I think they have to, I think they have to look to maximise the return at this point. We were talking about it last night. He's out of contract at the end of the season. We're not going to franchise him because it will cost far too much money. He is important, but he's become important because of the scheme that he's in. He's not. Thank you. I, he's a, Thank you. He he doesn't want to play that running back wide receiver position. He wants to just play wide receiver. I'm going to let you into a secret. He led the NFL drops. He led the NFL in drops last year. Yeah, he did. He's not going to be able to hold up as a pure wide receiver. 
The part of his game that you like is the fact that he's dual threat. He's also a yak guy, which which obviously works because he's in Shanahan's system. He gets the ball in space a lot. You know, if he goes to all right, the Jets are the Jets actually make sense from a scheme point of view because if he goes to the Jets, it's the same scheme broadly. In the same way that Miami were linked with him, and that makes sense because that's the same scheme as well. But I don't think he can go somewhere, be a pure wide receiver, and be one of the top players in the game. I think yeah. if he stays at the 49ers, he can be one of the top players in the game. But playing that role that Shanahan has basically situation. He's in the best situation he can be in. And the truth is, is like I said to you yesterday, John, you're not going to franchise tag him because he gets the average yeah. of the top five salaries, yeah. which in no a minute, as I worked out yesterday for you, Means he'll get one year fully guaranteed, twenty-five and a half million. Yeah, I mean, Gas is right. He's put in the chat. Anybody getting Debo is getting him because he's a double threat. But he's saying he doesn't want to. Well, the story is he doesn't want to do he that. So that's got to present a problem from the from the off, hasn't it? I so, think there's probably more to this story than he's than he's letting on. The, do you know what I would do, of, John, if I was you? Go on. If I was you. And this is a bold move. I'd speak to Atlanta. I'd take Riley, who's banned for a season, <laughs> and their second, or one of their seconds, give them Debo Samuel. They get a player who can play now and who can fill a few roles for them. You get a player in Riley next year when he's back off his ban, but you get that extra second. And then you go get Tony for a third. And you go into the season with Kadarius Tony and Brandon Ayuk. You have two picks in the second. And then next year, you go into the season with Riley, um, Kadarius Tony, and Ayuk. It's an interesting thought. I haven't seen anyone anyone come up with that one. So it's definitely a new one. I, I think well, the I'm thing playing checkouts when everybody else is playing fucking chess, mate. That's why. <laughs> The thing I would say is, if we do trade him, we need another plan because we've nothing at receiver. We've got Brandon Ayuk, we've got Juwan Jennings, who played very well last year, but he's a slot receiver. We've got nothing else. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, look at that 49ers receiver depth chart. It's the witness protection program. Even I haven't heard of these players, and they play for my team. So... If Debo's going, we, we we better have a plan B. And that's why I think we're hearing from... What we heard from John Lynch yesterday was, oh, we're not going to trade him. You don't trade a player like Debo Samuel. I think what that means is we're not going to trade him unless we get a shit ton back. And is a team actually going to do that? Do you, you know and I have talked like about John? this. He has one for you, right? Don't trade him. He can't hold out because he'll get fined and he doesn't get paid. Like, mm. he can't hold out anymore under the collective bargaining agreement. Don't trade him. Keep him. Let him see out his rookie deal. Let him go next year, and you'll get a high compensatory pick for him anyway. I do wonder if that's in the thought process, because the chances are if he goes for a big contract, which I think he probably will, we're going to get a third. You're so, going to get a third from him anyway, and you might, yeah. as well have, you might as well let him see out his deal, get the third... You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. as a because you're not look. I, I'm not paying. I, I'm, I'm not paying a first rounder for Debo Samuel. <laughs> I'm just not. Even if he, even if he agreed to be a wide receiver and a running back, I'm still not paying it. 
You're talking about a guy who's had one good season and three. You know what I mean, John? I know like you absolutely fucking spunk spunk truffle. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna play. I, I played it straight because we talked about this last week, didn't we? I I I, I like him on the 49ers. I think he's a great player. Do I think he's a great player that you should be giving up a top ten pick? No, he's not fucking, you know. Maybe fuck. You know, Devontae Adams wasn't even worth a top ten pick. He's been the best wide receiver for the best last four years. You know what I mean? And like he went for a number twenty two and a number fifty four, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you add them two together, it's still not worth a top ten pick. You know what I mean, man? <laughs> but I also think they're not going to let him go unless it's a first rounder. And based on what you said, and, and yeah, you're right. One good season in three, I think that's fair enough. I thought he had a good rookie season, to be fair, but it was his rookie season. He wasn't pulling up People know about trees. jumped on and went to Kansas City. Chief still traded for him. And I'm like, they wouldn't pay Tyreek Hill, so why the fuck are they going to pay Debo Samuel? Yeah, I can't see the logic in that. It's probably one of the few schemes he could go to where he would actually still be somewhat effective, though, because you put him in Reed's system, I think he'd do quite well, but he's not going to do Tyreek Hill well. So... Let's move off D I'm getting a fucking blood pressure. Who oh, else did you see it might be a trade piece? annoy you a little bit, <laughs> doesn't it? You'll be, uh, you'll be asking me who I like to say. Trade piece. Could always let Debo go and get Antonio Brown in. Yeah, no, thanks. I'd rather have it. <laughs> um, I'd rather have eight. Well, you're always going to get an honest answer from me. I, I, had I, a, think, I think so I probably stopped watching the 49ers. I have a quick thought, just, just while we're talking team. about the court. Just about the cook. I've been quiet just listening to you all. I was going to jump in earlier. Obviously, you know how much I love this man right here. Yeah. Kyle Trask. If he was in this quarterback class, would he have been first? No. <laughs> I know. Just a question. Okay, Sorry, <laughs> I mean, you were talking about like most of them aren't really that like sexy, shall we say. But like I said, Kyle Trask was a Heisman Trophy nominee. Yeah, most yeah, yeah. touchdowns in the season. Still no. But still no. <laughs> yeah. Look, Kyle Trask's not a bad quarterback. I'm not having a knock on him. He just, he wouldn't be higher because he hasn't got the intangibles, Jamie. You know what I mean? No, he hasn't got, he's, for me, Kyle Trask is going to be a very, very good NFL backup quarterback. I think he'll just be, be like a, a Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I think he'll be a pinch starter. You know, it'd be one of them where if you have to start him for a few games, you're not going to be worried about him. You might, he might play four games and go two and two, for example. But I don't think he's ever going to be an NFL starter, like a consensus starter. I think he's going to be a good pinch quarterback, though. He's going to be one of those who he's going to be one of the better backups, and he's going to be a good bridge quarterback at some point. You might well start Fuse Boys at some point when Tom Brady retires eventually. In like 2040, <laughs> but, um, but, but you know what I mean. But I think you'll only ever be a bridge, Jamie. I think you'll always, if you've got Kyle Trask, you're always going to be looking for the next guy. Is what I'm seeing. I mean, there was rumours that we were looking at a quarterback later on in the draft this year. So I think I, I'm not sense. knocking the guy. He's a decent quarterback. I just think he's going to be a backup. But hey, backups are sought after. I mean. I'm going to clip this so in three years when he wins the Super Bowl MVP <laughs> and then we come back to it all. Oh, I'll man. tell you what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do, right? We'll give it a couple of minutes just to see if anybody's watching, first of all. But Jamie, you can ask as well and John, you can ask as well. Why don't I just have a couple of minutes of people asking 
who do like who do we think the best player is for their team in the range where their team's picking? Oh, <laughs> that's an interesting so, one. So you talk about like Tampa, for example. Like, who would they pick? Yeah, like 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 for example, Tampa be a pick in twenty seventh. Yeah. Like, who would be a good fit for Tampa Bay? I mean, there's one person that I want, but I think he's going to be in round two. Much like I said, Kyle Trask was going to be our pick, and we did pick him. Uh, I went a little bit too excited and obviously picked him over Tryon. But um, I think we're going to take Damian Pierce in the second, another Florida Gator. We've got Leonard Fournette, Rojo's gone. We need that other running back to back him up. Damian Pierce in the second, maybe even third, but... I think a good. If he's there, would would be Wyatt. I think Wyatt is a really good. Sorry, give us that name again because I think we lost you mid sentence. Wyatt, why want a Wyatt? Okay, can you hear me? Why? Yeah, yeah. yeah. After accelerating his blood pressure, we've completely broken him now. Just by <laughs> why, why Wyatt? Yeah, Wyatt. Yeah, we, we, we compute as old, so it went glitchy. But yeah, I so think, why I think Wyatt? Wyatt's on the board. He's a very good pick for you and a very good fit. You've got um, Vita Vier, who's your one tech. You put Wyatt in as your three tech. You know what I mean? And I think you keep that defensive line and that interior pass rush. Good. I think you have it good. So if 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 he's there, I think Wyatt is a perfect fit for what Tampa Bay want to do. I'm going to throw the question back at you here. I think Mark, because we don't pick till very late um, on day two. Where is the need for the 49? We've a lot of holes on the team. I, I can't I can't make that sound any way other than it is we. We've not much depth at receiver. We've still not much depth at corner. We've got issues on the O-line. Where, where would you go with our pick? What number pick are you? I'm just trying to discover that because I can't bloody remember. He is number 62 <laughs> or something like that. The actual number was 61. 61. Right. Let's have a look at your depth chart. Well, there isn't much of it at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> where you was a slate at the pick? Number 61. Right, well, you're lying back as I like. Alshire and Warner. And that's quite a deep class. Drew Greenlaw. Uh, you kind of bagged the corner on Chardavius Water. I was, you know, I thought he was a really good pickup, John. You'll remember I was saying he yeah, was really yeah, dead happy with I would have preferred I would have thought I would have preferved Chardavius World over JC Jackson, for example, for the money you got him for. I think you need to find a center. Because I think that. Yeah. Alex, Alex Mack, Mack is pretty like old. Back. There's a guy called Cam Jurgens coming out of Nebraska. I think he would be a really good pickup for you in round two. Interesting. We've been I've seen us mocked with uh, Dylan Parham from Memphis, who's also a centre. I think he might be a bit too um, unathletic to play centre in our offence, to be honest. But yeah, Jenkins is an interesting one. I don't think you'd ever complain about getting an old lineman out of a team like Nebraska. Um, 
I can't really see us going any other way other than O-line, maybe corner. Um, but as you say, signing Ward has probably helped that a little bit. Um, th- th- this, we could go receiver if we think this Debo thing is terminal. I, I don't know. Um, to be honest, knowing us, we'll probably take a fucking running back or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's we're, we're not predictable in the draft a lot of the time. Um, I I would like to see us go O line. We we've nothing at guard or centre right now. We need to get something from somewhere. Um, no, I, feel, I, I like I like Cam Jurgens. He was a three year start at Nebraska. He's decent in run, you know. Like and he was and, and the important thing is this, John. He, he's very, he's very good at moving. He can play the outside zone like yeah. he was to play in. Well, that like would that. be important. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think Tyler Linderbaum is going to be long gone by the sixties. Yeah, but yeah, I think, I, I think Jurgens is a good pickup for you guys in sixty-one. If he's there, that's my fit for you, Cam Jurgens. Somebody give us another one. Miami <laughs> at one hundred and two. Miami at one hundred and two. I'm going to have a look at your depth chart. I'm cheating because obviously I don't know all your depth charts. Miami depth chart. Give us two seconds whilst I just loaded up on my laptop. Let's hope that no pop-ups play and the video plays at the same friggin' time. <laughs> right then. Those cookies. Right, yeah, Miami desperately need a linebacker. Um, let's have a think of their system. Um right, who I think's gonna fit in there? Right, I've got one. I've got one. I've got one. 102. You want a linebacker? You want somebody who's faster and cover sideline to sideline, who's a bit of an athlete. Uh, Brandon Smith from Penn State. I like him in that 102 range. He's um he's a you know he comes from Penn State and he's a Penn State linebacker. And when we think of Micah Parsons last year. I'm not going to say he's going to have the same impact, but he's another one who's an athletic freak. You know, Penn State linebacker. Um, uh, yeah, Brian Brandon Smith. I, I'm going to see him. I'm going to see Brandon Smith. So let's talk Raiders then. Where do you first of all? Where do you pick? Because you've traded your first round Right. Who's the fit for the Raiders? Where where? Where should they be going? Well, let's ask two questions. What should they be doing and what do you think they'll do? Because there seems to be a disconnect between one and the other usually when it comes to you and the Raiders. Well, I think our biggest holes going into the draft, and I think that we're sneaky good, by the way. I think we've got a good roster this year. I think we can challenge for the AFC West. I've put about £70 now on the Raiders to win the AFC West. Because <laughs> oh we're, still like, we're still like miles out. But honestly, I genuinely think we've got a really good team, which has got few holes now. I think our roster's looking good. But We're I'm at that point what, in the off-season, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, We're at the I'm Raiders thinking, fan point. I'm thinking, what are our needs? Well, we need a right tackle. Um, we need interior offensive line depth. We need a defensive tackle, but I'm not taking any outside of Wyatt, Jones, um, Davis, and maybe Phil Darian. So if I was picking 86... I think you can get very, very good interior offensive linemen in the third round. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see a pick interior offensive line, either a left guard or a right guard. I don't care. Um, but pick a pick an interior offensive lineman. And you've got my names. I said them earlier on. I said them earlier on. I think my number one choice at this moment in time would be um Cole Strange 
from Chattanooga, who can play left guard and is um, really strong and really well tested. If Cole Strange is there, he's my pick. If he's not there, I'll be perfectly happy getting Zach Tom. I'll be perfectly happy getting Zach Tom. Um, we've also got a needed linebacker. Um, so I would take any of Leo Chanel, Chad Muma, Troy Anderson. If any of them three are there, I'd take them, but I don't think any of them will be. As a Raiders fan, are you feeling better not having a first-round pick this year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although this... this um, this this current team, like of, of front office people, it, it seems like the circus is no longer around. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, we, they, like Ziegler looks to be very good so far. He's made some tremendous moves. I like everything he's done. To be honest with you, I like the way how we got rid of, you know, a player who wasn't going to fit the system in Ngokwe, um, and got in Yasin, and also mm. already lined up Chandler Jones, who did fit the system. I like the trade for Devontae Adams. I like the signings of the three, of the depth pieces, like Anthony Averett and Kyla Fackrell, uh, Dwayne Harmon. I like I like what he's building. I like what he's building. We're, we're deep at this year. We're deep at. Let's just touch on Devontae Adams for a second because I kind of want you to say this on a podcast because I thought it was a very <laughs> good theory. Now, we were talking about Sorry, Mark, your blood pressure is going to go up again. When we were talking about Debo last week, you were talking about how you judge a receiver's importance to an offense. And it was a way that nobody's ever really described it to me before. And I, I kind of want to just bring it out on this pod because I thought it was interesting. So so give us the uh, give us the lowdown and, and don't mention Debo if it'll hurt your heart. Or I'd go for the amount of catches they've got for percentage of that offense. So Debo had about 70-odd catches last year. Hunter Renfrew had over 103. Devontae Adams had 128. And Tyree Kill had about 117 catches last year. Devontae Adams in targets and catches amounted to about 48% of all of Green Bay's passing offense. But is that not because he's been double-teamed and taking all of the other cornerbacks out? No, no, that's why it's good, Jamie. Because yeah. even though he's being yeah. double, triple team, he's still half of their entire passing offense. Yeah. That's how I gauge quote like wide receivers. How many catches are they making? What's their catches? So that I know that how often they're getting people. open. And it tells us how often that their quarterback is looking for them, which tells <laughs> us how much that they are key feature of that team. So I know that upset a few people in the uh, in the Raiders group. So I'll, if any if any of them are watching, hello. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a really good way of um, I thought it was a really good way of sort of trying to quantify that because it is quite a difficult thing to do. You know, like we talk about how important certain players are to an offense. There's no real, to my knowledge anyway, there's no real stat that tells you that. So it's an interesting little extrapolation of how you can do it. Um, and yeah, you know, there is some truth to it. You, you start looking at, like I said, there is an issue at the Niners where if, if Samuel is to leave, then we haven't really got a whole lot else. But we do spread the ball around. So it may not be as, as dire as it as it potentially looks. And yeah, I just wanted to bring heavy. that out. But for example, right, you've got Mike Evans and you've got Chris Godwin at Jamie's team. Who's the more important one to your team? 
Chris Godwin with 98 catches or Mike Evans with 74. Yeah, I mean, this is the big argument that we always had on the podcast, though, that Mike Evans didn't catch a lot of balls. But, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, you say he didn't catch a lot of balls because he's not that kind of person to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to throw it to you on the 20-yard line and you're going to run about 50 yards. He's an end-zone threat. Without without Chris Godwin and his 98 catches, you're not getting to the the red zone. Mm Mm-hmm. So who's yeah. more important, the guy who's getting you in the red zone or the guy who's getting you in the paint? But, I mean, you discuss that, but then you have the teams that can't do anything in the end zone. Like, the like you, you, look at, <laughs> you look at some teams that get down to the red zone and they've got, like, a 30% completion in the red zones. Like the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, it, it's all well and good doing those long 50-yard drives, but you need that red zone target in there to yeah. actually get it's, get it's, down the ball i'm probably the only person i can't be the only person in the world but i'm like i'm like i'm one of those like who goes yeah i look at how many catches they've got you know like i look at what the makeup of their catch-up is you know what i mean for example hunter renfrew got like over a thousand yards last year and had over a hundred catches to me that says that he's catching the ball regularly all over the field you know what i mean They're moving the chains being used for dump offs, being used in clutch situations and third down. That's 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 why he's got over 100 catches. And I would say the same of Devontae Adams, 128 catches, or 123 or something like that he had, which tells me that he's getting the ball on third downs. He's getting the ball when it's like, you know what I mean? Or when it's in the red zone, they're looking at him all over the place when they need a first down. And that's how I read it. It's just my logical sense. Nobody else probably makes sense of it, but in my little <laughs> world, catches are important. The number of catches you grab. <laughs> Gaz in the chat, uh, well, he's, he's made two comments. I'll read one out and then we'll answer the question on the other. Next time you think of betting on the Raiders to win your division, just give me the money I'll instead. Tell you, I really but, fancy the Raiders this year. Really, really fancy got, them. Which has got Dennis on Chiefs. Family Fortunes vibes, as far as I'm concerned. If they're up there, I'll give you the money myself. But I, I you know, keeps a weekend. You know, they've lost Hill. They've lost some key pieces on that defense. You know what I mean? The Chargers are a good team. The Chargers are a good team. I'll give them that. But That's Brandon Steady, do I trust him as a as, as a coach to lead somebody to a championship? Then you've got the Broncos, who have just got Russell Wilson. But they had to part with a lot of capital to get them. They've lost Von Miller, who's who's playing pass rush now, opposite uh, Chubb. You know, they've lost a few corners as a result of having to get Russell Wilson's cap in it. So whilst they were a quarterback away last year, they're not a quarterback away this year. They need some pieces. And I think the Raiders are really well-rounded. I think you've got a quarterback in Carr, who's been brilliant the last two seasons. I think you've got a very, you've got the best wide receiver in the NFL, who's also his college buddy. You know what I mean, though? Like, he, you've got Darren Waller, you've got Hunter Renfrew, you've got Josh Jacobs. That offense is good. You've got an offensive line which is patchy, but it was still good enough to get us to, a, to, to the playoffs last year. And a lot of them were young players who have played 17 games now. So they're going to improve. Defensively, we've got three decent corners. You know, we've got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, Max Crosby, which has got to be one of the best pass rushing tandems in the league. You know, like, like genuinely, I think, I think the Raiders are going to win the AFC West. 
I hope you've got the clip machine ready, Jamie. <laughs> I, oh, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I, it'll be interesting to see. The the big variable for me at Vegas is Josh McDaniels. We have no idea what he's going to be like. John, this you know how our this you know how our boil down American football. Throw the ball, catch the ball, block, make sure that the throw is possible, stop the catch, get to the passer, right? Throw the ball, Derek Carr, he can throw it. Catch the ball, Devontae Adams, he can catch it. Protect the thrower, Colton Miller, he can. Stop the pass, we've got depth at cornerback, they can do that. Get the quarterback, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. We've got players at the important positions. I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens. That, that's as far as I'll go because I I don't know what to make of McDaniel's. That's my that's my biggest thing going into the season. He's he's great at running an offense, but he's been head coach once. He was crap it, as it was a long time ago because I know that's what every Raiders fan says. If Adolf Hitler had walked into the Raiders as head coach, you'd all be like, well, give a chance, you know. You're fucking hell, John. I can't easy there. Like, maybe Mussolini. <laughs> but I'm not too sure I would hit Alexis Sale dressed as Mussolini. Of all the dictators, if we're playing fantasy dictator Raiders head coach, I'm thinking Mussolini, you know what I mean? Hitler's <laughs> a bit fucking strong, John, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just saying, is it, you know, you're you're all about. I mean, as a franchise, you've always been the second chance franchise. So McDaniel's <laughs> experience, you know. All I'm saying. Honestly, I'm not I saying really think, honestly, I seriously think. That, do, have you seen the odds on the Raiders at the moment? I haven't actually. No, what, the Raiders aren't even odds on to go over um, eight wins. We had ten wins last year. And we didn't have Devontae Adams, and we lost our head coach. And our bloody wide receiver like, <laughs> yeah, actually, I'd like to revise my previous statement. You already had a right wing nutcase as you had goats, so that's what you had to sack him for. <laughs> I, genuinely, I genuinely think that, like, and the, the boogies have us as the four favorites to win the EFC. And I've put like 70 quid on, and I think like a 10 hour wins year, something it's it's like it's seven and a half to one, it's seven and a half to one for the Raiders to win the EFC West. Like, like that's like fucking to me. Stick a tenner on that. You'll get eighty-five quid back. Oh uh, well, I, I think we have a lot of things in that last ten minutes that we could probably clip. So uh, Jamie will be busy. No doubt. <laughs> um, I've completely forgotten what I was after. My... We'll be on your fucking ages, so we might as well wrap it up. I can't remember. I mean, I, I will say, hopefully, uh, we will be back after the draft. Uh, to do our annual, I say annual, we've only done it once, uh, to do our divisional breakdowns of who's going to win a division. And I'm sure we're going to get plenty of clips of yes. Mark then saying how yeah, much the Raiders are going to win. I was having a look the other day and I found three bets that I liked for division winners. One was the Raiders who were like seven and a half to one. I'm like, I'm all over that. Then the next one was the Baltimore Ravens who were the third favourite to win their division behind the Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. But they had a lot of injury problems, and they're not a bad team. And they've got an MVP, a quarterback. So, but Baltimore Ravens are a third favorite win the AFC North. And then the other one was the Eagles, because I just don't think the Cowboys are as good as what everybody makes out. And I think they were second favorite to win the um, NFC East. And I think I went, if I was going to have a little punt, I'd have a little punt on that treble. You know what I mean? 
Well, we'll see how Mystic Geordie comes in. I mean, it's a long way off yet, but yeah, I was just thinking, I, I love the Realize at seven and a half to one to win their conference. <laughs> but I think what we're going to see is this weekend, or rather what's left of this week, is going to have some impact. We talked about the Chiefs missing some pieces. They have a check, you know, they're going to have to make some moves. Yeah, I think the draft's going to make a big difference, isn't it? Yeah. So I think, you know, there's some plenty of storylines to follow. If we're still on YouTube after my after my reference five minutes ago, maybe you'll get to see us again. But uh, I think we've had a good one. Yeah, well, I think we just go Twitch exclusive now. Hopefully we can jump on a, <laughs> is it JP Comedy? Is that what you call on yeah, Twitch? Yeah, we'll comedy, just jump yeah. on there. We'll just jump on there. We've been banned now, third and short. Sorry. <laughs> no, I've really enjoyed this. We've covered shitloads of topics. It's been random as ever. But there's, I think we've, I've, I think we've given some good names for people to look out for. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wraps us up very much nicely. I don't know when you'll see us again. We'll just put something on Twitter and Facebook, and then we'll just turn up as we always do, unplanned, and still chatting for about an hour and forty minutes. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Jamie.